Hey, Diener, how do you spell semen? Okay. S-E-A. I know. But that's actually how I spelled it today when I was trying to make an Instagram story for you guys. And if you haven't guessed, it's us at the Horseboard Podcast. I'm Nadine. I'm Steph. And Stevie. And we were at Lacey Ranch today. Seeing French's hula guy. Yes. And his babies he created and all of his girlfriends and how he makes babies as well. (laughs) We learned the birds and the bees of horse reproduction. And Nadine was horrified from the start. Okay. So Ashley Lacey's new nickname is called the Turd Eliminator. (laughs) And I came up with this while she was scooping turds that weren't even fully formed out of a horse's butt. I was actually mortified. You haven't seen the whole AI process before. I have not. That took my uh, virginity in that department. So (laughs) that's great. But I, she was like having a normal conversation, probably talking about what she ate for supper the day before, just like making eye contact, scooping poop out of this horse. Okay. And it was a little wild. I'm not going to lie. Like, so working at a vet clinic, like we go for a full day of semen testing bulls. I would have snacks, like snacks stashed in my pocket and I'm back there and I'm like, okay, gotta eat. Like I can't, I can't go without food. I get hangry. So like I'd get poop splattered in my face, sometimes in my mouth and then a granola bar. Well, that's a little bit of salad, right? Cause it's <laughs> yeah, all grass exactly. anyways. I know the first time I saw a bull get semen tested, I like looked at Cole and I was like, I, I can't look at him in the eye. <laughs> he like just got raped. It looked like like this this poor. I, I no. can't look at him. <laughs> we, it was good at the vet clinic. We had one of the farmers brought in a nice picture of a cartoon cow laying on her side. That's oh. so funny <laughs> <laughs> for the bulls, like right in front of the screen. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, and that was kind of like today. Uh, Ashley had to have a te- yeah. a tease mare there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was actually really really cool. And um, so I guess maybe we'll start off with like we woke up super early in the morning. Um, <laughs> delightfully, we we're all in just the best, <laughs> best of moods. It was great. No, we actually were, except CB was late, even though we we're at her yeah, house. Yeah, you guys were just as late. She's we show, we show up to her place for most of the functions and she's still, still late. Time. Like like lipstick and cowboy boots. Like we're here at Stevie's house and she's not Okay, that yet. was like you're, I you're had working. a groom man. Yeah, experience. You had, you had an excuse that time. Exactly. <laughs> That's the only time. But yeah, no, so we went there, got lost again. Thank you, Steph H. She thinks Google Maps works in the country. She's no longer our navigator. (laughs) Yeah. We drove by Jen Jen Bob's house and waved. And if you don't know her, she has... I don't think she knew we were there, so we weren't really waving at anyone. No, we were just waving at the air. (laughs) So we drove by Jen Bob's house and waved, and she has the OE Nutraceuticals in Canada. That is the first time I said that word correctly. Uh, and then we finally landed at the Lacey Ranch. And uh, yeah, take it from there, guys. What did we do? Well, we got to experience a little bit of everything or mm-hmm. just kind of see a day in the life of Ashley Lacey and Hula Guy. We observed and learned while Ashley collected. She even ultrasounded some of her mares. To check out like how far they, how far along they are in their heat cycle. Which was really cool. I mean, I was just looking at a black screen and I was like, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> if you but I, it's I, cool. Yeah, I feel like you can just be, you know, just how she was explaining it, like quite precise. Yeah. If, if you have that machine and it's very cool, just how she, you know, you can measure the follicle day by day and kind of know when they're gonna ovulate and when the ideal time to put the goodies in is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goodies is is. 
goodies in is. Yeah. Yeah. My goodies. I just keep thinking about Sierra's song. Anyways. Yeah. So then we got to walk through all the babies and they're just so cute. They were all Scratch friendly too. Yeah. Yeah. So Ashley does a great job like working with these babies. They're all like no people and like no scratches and love like just from like mm-hmm. the day that they're born basically. Right. Mm-hmm. She has and, kids that go out and hang out with them all the time. Yeah. They are very well versed in like what goes on and um, the procedure on like how to help their mom and very willing to help. So that was really cool to see too. Yeah. Yeah. And like we got to go into the lab and in her lab, she has this um app on her. It's like a tablet a, an app on her tablet. Yeah. And it, and she has a microscope and we actually got to see like all the sperm and she knows if that was a good sample and how many babies that could produce, how many mares, like it Mot- was motility, I think mm-hmm. is the motility right yeah yeah so <laughs> it was, was actually, super cool it was it was awesome and she loves her job like that is her jam mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yep and it's I, what she was born to, to do we got to watch her do an actual ai artificial insemination mm-hmm. as well yeah so that was that was super yeah. cool yeah it was definitely the whole really experience cool. we did we got the Lacey ranch experience and <clears throat> holy shit <laughs> <laughs> Holy! And Canadian got laryngitis. I did. I got a frog in my throat, and he won't go away. Oh, Stevie just thinks that's like the best joke ever. I'm just like ready for bed, guys. Yeah, I already had a nap. That was a long day. So we hope you enjoy this episode uh, with Shannon. It was awesome, and yeah. Okay, guys, let's get into this episode. It's jam-packed full of great information with Shannon Blakely. She's a very well-rounded cowgirl. She has trained many horses that have gone on to be amateur finalists and competitive open horses. And her fastest time on a standard is 17.049. You, yeah, <laughs> you might remember her from her 2016 season. Out of 23 rodeos, she won 18 of them and placed at three others. She was the WRA Ladies Barrel Racing Champion, the LRA and WRA season leader. Her horse, Rowdy, was the LRA and WRA Horse of the Year and accomplished all of this with only one eye. Without further ado, we'd like to introduce to you Shannon Blakely. Shannon, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Just a rainy day. It is a rainy day for a, the beginning of a very rainy week, it seems like here. Uh, I know. Um, well, we're actually lucky. We've had rain, but today it's actually sunny here, but the forecast is calling for rain. This yeah. Week. So <laughs> it's kind of going to be short-lived, I think, the sun we had, so yeah I whoever so. stepped on that freaking spider hey oh <laughs> could have been me <laughs> I don't yeah. like spiders. no no kidding <laughs> uh, these oh, people boy. are cursing us so yeah we're yeah. super excited to finally have you on our podcast i, I feel like i'm gonna yeah. cry during this episode <laughs> i like mentally prepared myself for it. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. we were telling her a little bit about you and nadine's like oh my goodness i've never heard of this lady like i'm gonna cry yeah <laughs> yeah i, I hope not <laughs> uh, we'll see just an emotional sally over here yeah i've i've been lucky enough to have you ride one of my horses um oh yeah i guess that was joe 
how during futurity year so yeah yeah and Steph knows you a bit and but yeah Yeah, we've done a lesson before yeah oh yeah right we stayed did we stay the night there yeah you did did. yeah so that was pretty fun (laughs) yeah but, I know the steps. I don't know the Nadine. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're about to find out who I am. Yeah. Nadine <laughs> likes to talk, so you'll get to know her pretty well. Yes. I like to talk and just share my cackle of a laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ready to rock. Oh, too <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. But, yeah, so can you give us a bit of an overview of the history of your family in rodeo? Sure. Um, so my dad, he... Um, he basically calf roped his whole life um from when he was like I think about 16 he kind of started going out and rodeoing and he I don't know calf roped till he was probably in his 40s almost 50 like till he just couldn't do it anymore Mm -hmm. physically couldn't do it he still wanted to do it but couldn't do it um Mm -hmm. so that's where I get my rodeoing from I started when I was well, I was starting to ride a horse when I was a baby in front of him. He, you know, <laughs> put me in the saddle in front of him, right? Yeah. But, um, and then I started kind of going on my own when I was, I think, four. Um, it was on just, you know, one of his old calf horses. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where it started, was from him. So so is it safe to, to say you are a roper as well? No. No. <laughs> I'm not. Who are you? I'm not. Everybody <laughs> asks me that. Everybody asks me. I'm like, nope. I've never roped. I've never had the inclination I wanted to do it. I sometimes I think I maybe wished I would have, but I don't know. I just think girl racing is enough on my plate. Yeah, <laughs> it's expensive enough. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's enough that on too. the go. So, yeah. but um, yeah. So do you always uh? Just rodeo, or are you into jackpotting, or what's your schedule like during the summer? Yeah, no, I um, so okay, so I guess a little history too. So I started when I was really young, and I would rodeo and jackpot and stuff. And then, um, when my dad quit, I went for a year on my own, and that was when I was like, I think I was 16. Yeah, so I just kind of had my license, and he quit, and he just it was it was hard for him to quit. Like he didn't want to, but mm-hmm. so I had to go on my own. He didn't even want to like come with me. He didn't oh. even want to go to the rodeo because it was hard on him. No yeah, kidding. It was, yeah. it was hard on him. So I went that year by myself and it was just like, I, and then I kind of just, I lost my drive to do it too. So okay. I quit at 16 and I took like probably 12 years off, something oh, wow. like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I took a, yeah, I took a big break and then, um, I don't know, something just, I got the bug again. <laughs> I wanted to do it. I oh had no boy. horses, nothing. Like, we just oh, had. Oh, really? So you weren't Yeah, we just had, like, no, well, we just had horses to chase cows on. Like, oh, ranch okay. horses. Not, okay. Nothing, no barrel horses. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just kind of, one day, I don't know, I just got this itch. I wanted <laughs> to get back at it. So, oh, boy. Um, yeah, so then I, yeah, I needed to get a horse, so I needed to. You know, get all that. So then, um, yeah. So I, I rodeoed, I jackpot. Um, I don't, I, I did security a little bit, like when I got back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of went to a few securities, but they're just not really my, my thing. I kind of, I take too long with my horses. I'm mm-hmm. too slow with them. So okay. security, security is tough for me because I like to take my time and just build a horse. And I feel that that takes time. So, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, and I want to have a nice, solid horse when I'm done. Yeah. And I don't like to 
I don't like to push them or pressure them. Mm-hmm. So, um, but shirting was never really my, my thing. Yeah. So, okay. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I did. So what year was it when you did get back into, uh, barrel racing? Um, I would have been about 29 or 30 and I'm 42 right now. So I don't know, 12, years 12 ago or so. 13 yeah. years ago, okay. I guess, something okay. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Whatever so. the math ends up being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Hopefully my math is correct. Now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we we know you have a very special horse who has done quite well on the rodeo trail for you named Rowdy. Can you tell yeah. us about him when when you got him and yeah, what yeah. happened to his eye? <laughs> oh, I, oh yeah. Rowdy Rowdy had a rough go in life here. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, when I wanted to get back into it, I needed, of course, to get some horses. So, um, I ended up, so actually, I went and bought a couple horses. I, I bought, um, my first one was from D, okay. and we, we can get into that after. That's how, that's how that all started. It was buying yeah. Horses, but, um, yeah, so I, I bought a horse from D, and then I also went to Janet Patrickins, and I bought a horse from her, and that was Rowdy. So, okay. but the story on how I got him is actually kind of funny so we went there and, and go to pick out a horse and we pick out this mare and um she looks really nice she's really pretty and so we buy her and we send her away to a guy and he had her for like a month and he's like i he's like, i don't know if we're gonna get through this horse he's like Cause she she wanted to buck she was a little bronchi okay and yeah and he so i said well let's leave her another month and see how it goes so he has her two months and she just, she didn't want to come out of it. I, I ended up bringing her home and I ended up riding her myself. And on like day two, I had her out in the field and she piled me. So I'm like, Hey, this, this isn't going to work. So no. I called Janet up and uh, I told her, I said, you know, I said, I totally understand if, you know, you, you know, don't want to do anything about her or whatever, but Janet was awesome. She's like, bring her back and you can come pick out something else. Okay. So I'm like, oh, wow. okay. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. No, Janet was awesome. So we load her up and we take her back. And so we go to look at the, you know, this is the year younger full crop or whatever. And, uh, so she, before we get out there, she says, and there's one in here you can't pick. And we're like, cause it was the full sibling. So, <laughs> you know, kind of like, you don't want the full sibling. Like, so we get out there and we're looking and, my dad just, he does a quick glance and he's like, well, I think we should take that one. And he points at Rowdy. And she's like, that's the full sibling. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. And, uh, but he's just like, Rowdy just stood up. Yeah. My dad just, my dad had an eye for a horse. Okay. And he's like, no, he's like, we're going to take our chances here. He's yeah. like, we're going to take that one. So I'm like, okay. So. <laughs> And he and he was awesome. We sent him away, and he never had a bad day. He ne- I don't oh, know cool. if it's a mare gelding thing, but he was nothing like his full sister. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy oh, boy. So yeah, so uh, that's how we ended up with Rowdy, and um, yeah, so we got him. I had a guy start him for me. He only had him for a month. Like he was easy to start. He was mm-hmm. good. Um, so then I uh, started this riding him, and then when I so I bought a mare from D and um, I needed some fine tuning on the pattern rule. But, you know, like I, I had 
we're barrel racing from a capital purse. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, there's things like, you know, with my hands and just getting back into, I needed someone to kind of help me. So, um, that's when I went, took one of these clinics and I bought a horse from her. And so that all, so she helped me immensely, Mm -hmm. like immensely with Rowdy and, you know, the horse that I bought from her. And, um, so yeah, so I trained Rowdy and, um, he was, he was probably I think he was around eight maybe or something like that so he had already been uh, he was already patterned he was running he was he was a girlfriend basically mm-hmm. and then he yeah he lost his eyes so he it happened in the winter and I was actually down in Arizona visiting me because I'd go down and visit with her and yeah and a week or two and so I get back and like my horses in the winter would just get turned out they've turned out in you know quarter section kind of thing yeah and I get that and we would just bust out hay for them right so I mean you don't have you go out there like once a week to feed them and whatever so mm-hmm. um I get back and we go out to go feed them and I was like I could just see the whole side of his face is like kind of wet oh. and I was like okay hey, something's not right so I get a little closer and his whole eye was just like gray it was oh. I could tell oh yeah it was gray and it had like a little you know calcium bump on the front of it like where so something had punctured it. Yeah. And um, so, of course, I'm like devastated. So run him to the vet and like he was, it was blind. He was like, and they yeah. even had to remove it because the eye was dead. Yeah. So, because I thought, well, maybe we can save it. So then he at least has the eye in his head, right? But it was, it was dead. So yeah. they had to remove it and that's how he's lost one of his <laughs> one eye. Poor, Poor guy. guy. Oh, Poor no. Rally. That is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. But um, for me, like my dad had a calf horse that only had one eye. So it was oh, like, okay. I kind of, I had been around a horse that only had one eye. So it was, you know, I, I didn't know how he was going to perform, of course. But I had, you know, grew up around a horse that only had one eye too. So mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, I figured they he can do this probably. Like, you know. Um, but that first year after he lost his eye, it was. I I should have just trusted him. I was kind of, I was tentative. I wasn't sure if he was going to know where the first barrel was, you mm-hmm. know, like I just didn't know. Yeah. And if I would have just wrote him how I always wrote him, we would have been fine. Okay. Like he, he didn't skip a beat. He, <laughs> yeah. Like even though they are blind in that eye, they know where the barrel is. They know. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they obviously can't see it out of the other eye. It's just, it's incredible. Well, he I must know. Have well, you so much. Or just they have, but horses have very good peripheral vision. So oh, they, yeah, that's so, true. So yeah. maybe he could see. Yeah, it. yeah. So yeah. even though that, like that eye, like he can see out of his left eye, they they have very good peripheral vision. So mm-hmm. like he knew where that first barrel was. Like if I run to the right barrel first, and he knew, like. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't mm. skip a beat. It was me. I should have just rode him. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it was probably oh, hard yeah. for you to trust him. Oh, it was all me. It, like, yeah, <laughs> I should have just rode him like I always rode him and things yeah. would have been fine. But it took me, it took me almost a year, like okay. that whole, basically that whole summer to figure it out. Like, you know, I, I was like worried if he was going to see it or, you know, like how, how hard should I push him in there? Which he's a very rady horse and I have to push him in there. But I was thinking maybe I shouldn't push him as hard because he might not see it. Or, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was like second guessing myself that whole summer when I shouldn't have been. <laughs> so, um, hard not to. yeah, that would yeah. be really hard not to. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, that was definitely a learning curve, but, yeah. um, 
yeah, and then, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how the whole eye thing happens, but. Ugh, I, like, I'm an eyelash extension tech, but eyes freak me out. Like, if I would have saw that, I would have puked for sure. Like, I don't know what it is about eyeballs, but <laughs> they grow it, it was, it, yeah, it was pretty, pretty gruesome. And I, I mean, I can, I can handle a lot of things. Like, my mom's a vet, so I, oh, right, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of things. I can handle blood, guts, whatever. But the eye thing did kind of it. It made me cringe. Like, did you yeah. Did uh, you watch the surgery? That'd be the cringy part. Oh, why no, would you want to do that? No, his, <laughs> no. His his eye surgery, I did not watch. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know. I would have. I don't. Know. I've don't, seen lots no. of cow, cow eye nucleations, and they bleed a lot. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I I dropped him off there and picked him up when it was all stitched up and and looking good. Oh, so. He's so rowdy. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, didn't stick around for that one. No. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. But. So was it almost like being an underdog type thing when when you had this situation, and did that motivate you more, or do you think it made you nervous? Um, I don't know. I guess after that first year when, um, like kind of when I got over it knowing like this, okay, he can do this. Like, you know, because I just need to be confident and trust him. And then, then it kind of fueled me. Yeah. I was like, Hey, you know, he can do this. Mm -hmm. So then I just started riding him how I should be riding him. Yeah. And yeah. And then, um, so we kind of, we rodeoed probably maybe a year or I can't remember exactly. It was a year or two, kind of before 2016, the year that we did really well. Um, but just, you know, it was just kind of plays here and there, but, you know, nothing spectacular. Like we hadn't made finals till 2016. We would love to hear about your 2016 year on Rowdy. You were both on a roll that year, winning almost every rodeo you entered. You were the WRA Ladies Barrel Racing Champion, and Rowdy won Horse of the Year in both the WRA and LRA. However, though, that was the year your dad passed. Can you share with us that year and how it was for you and the struggles that you faced? It sounds like he was very supportive of your rodeo career. Sure. Um, yeah, 2016 was, uh, it was a tough year. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So my dad got diagnosed with cancer um, in, I think it was January, it was early January. And um, it was basically kind of, spread throughout his body like he had lung cancer and it was spread to his bones and they basically told us that like he didn't have very long like mm -hmm. when they told us I think they said he maybe had like a month or so oh my god but he, he yeah like it, it was like it was quite yes. a shock like it was um pretty quick but he actually um made it till June um and so I set out to go, like, I, I'm a late starter, too. I don't I don't start my rodeos till usually June, <laughs> just because my horses are turned out all winter, and, you know, by the time I get them in shape, it's basically June when I'm ready. Yeah. So I didn't go, I didn't go to any of the early spring rodeos. Um, and also, the spring rodeos are little indoors, and Rowdy was, he, he was never tough inside like mm -hmm. if I could show you girls the runs that he used to make inside you would laugh like <laughs> literally like stop at the first barrel like not run like just be so rainy so oh, okay <laughs> yeah so I never would go to the indoor rodeo so 
Um, so my weekend that I started out was um, the Stony Plain uh, Tofield Cold Lake weekend. And um, I kind of, I just said to myself that I wanted to make finals that year. Like I, I wanted okay. to do it for dad and just make the finals. Yeah. So I start out that weekend and I won um, Stony Plain. I won Cold Lake and I placed, I think, third at Tofield. And in the amateurs, it's kind of like that kind of a weekend sets you, like that gives you a huge boost for making yeah. finals. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, and then the next, I can't remember which rodeos were the next weekend, um, but I won both of them too. So I basically had finals won. Yeah. Or like finals made, made. kind of thing. So, um, so I, you know, and I knew at this point, dad was like, he was in the hospital and okay. he, wasn't coming back home like it was near the end and I just wanted to be able to tell him that you know I was made finals and um I did get to tell him that so um yeah so that kind of you know meant a lot to me Mm -hmm. and he the words he said to me was um I am getting emotional. I didn't think I was going to get emotional. I'm getting emotional too. I'm like I didn't think I was going to. Um so, yeah, the words he said to me was, just make him chase you. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, that just fueled me. And, yeah, he basically, Rowdy won almost everything he could that year. And, yeah, we made finals. And with a pile of money made <laughs> going amateur. So, um, yeah, so that was the, my 2016 year was a little bit crazy. You know, I, I've never been that person that kind of you know believes in you know that someone watching over you or Mm -hmm. that that year what happened like I mean nothing could go wrong like you know so I I do think I believe in that now I do think someone can be watching over you and can Mm -hmm. you know help you along the way through some tough situations and stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. it was meant it was meant to be that way that year for sure yeah Uh, yeah. (laughs) it kind of like I say it was just like nothing could go wrong like yeah it's just yeah. all it all just rolled you know so um yeah it was it was quite the year that's for sure oh, but that gave me chills yeah that is and a, that is a chilling and story. tears <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh. so was that the same year i think we had we had kind of chatted with you at hinton too mm-hmm. you were at the hinton yeah. jackpot and uh i believe it was rowdy there too and you and rowdy yep. did really really well yeah yeah that was so that was the the first year she had the um, slot race, and yeah, so we won that, and then he and he won the open part, and that was I, yeah, that was a pretty good event for mm-hmm. old Rowdy. We mm-hmm. he took a pile of pile of cash home and two saddles yeah. and a oh, bunch wow. of prizes, and yeah, it was yeah, it was, I, I love it that. It was fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. And your when did your dad give you his LRA buckle? Um, so yeah, so he gave me that buckle like kind of you know when he was still at home, and we were kind of just, you know like going through all his stuff and whatever. And he just like my dad has a ton of buckles, like he has <laughs> trophies and buckles. Like there's like I have a room downstairs in my old house that was like just all his stuff. Now yeah. I've lugged it to my boyfriend's house, but um, <laughs> so. But yeah, so he kind of, you know, just gave me all his, all his stuff. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to wear this buckle. I just, I don't know. I just, I'm going to wear it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I still wear it. I, it's, it's on my belt and I'm never taking it off my belt. Yeah. Like I, 
I have a ton of other buckles now I could wear, but I I don't. I they, still have to yeah. buckle. That one, that one means a lot more, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Really. For sure. Yep. The other ones will make oh, nice yeah. decor in your house yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do. They do. They're just, yeah, they're on like display. And <laughs> exactly. I've seen some people that make lamps with their like lamp. Um, What are they called? The base of a lamp with oh, their wow. buckles. Oh, and oh, it looks table. really cool. Oh, and cool. coffee tables too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. 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 I got, I made a, like a board kind of thing and I've got, some of my buckles and pictures and back numbers on it and stuff. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I, I just I got them on display. I don't wear them, but they they mean a lot to me. But no, Dad's buckle, I've never taken it off. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. want to either. <laughs> no. So, what are some things that you learned from him and that you carry with you through life and rodeo and the horse world? Uh, yeah, my dad basically taught me everything I know about a horse. Like he taught me my horsemanship. Like, you know, what to look for in a horse, like just just little things like, you know, that I want in a horse. Um, just basically kind of how to pick a good one. And my dad, like, even though he was a cap roper, he taught me how to barrel race and I made finals when I was younger. And mm-hmm. so, you know, he even though he's a cap roper, he could still kind of <laughs> knew how to barrel race. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's good. But it just it comes down to horsemanship, really. I mean, if yeah. you if you're good with a horse and you get a horse broke, and you know you can, like he used to say, you could do anything with a broke horse. So, mm-hmm. and I yeah. still believe that to this day. Like my program yeah. is with a broke horse, you can do anything. So that sticks with me, you know, yeah. to this mm-hmm. day, kind of thing. Um, and I always I remember I used to be kind of mad at my parents or resent them because they never bought me a finished rail horse. <laughs> I had to make my barrel horses out of what my dad had for calf roping horses at the time. Or, so my dad was a brown inspector and he used to work at the Alcock Feet Plant. And he'd have to go there and inspect horses weekly. And he used to buy horses out of there and I would have to ride them. So <laughs> I, like, I had to ride anything and everything. Like, he would just, you know, he'd be a good looking horse and he would buy it. And, you know, some turned out and some didn't and whatever. But I always bought put on a bunch of different horses and when I was young of course I was mad I wanted just the you know the finished horse I could just go and win on right mm-hmm. but now looking back I'm so thankful that he didn't do that because mm-hmm. I you know I believe that's helped make me the trainer I am today I was like mm-hmm. I rode a bunch of different horses I and I had to make them into barrel horses I didn't get you know bought a finished horse kind of thing so um yeah, I, I am very thankful for that now. At the time, when you're a young girl and a teenager, you, you <laughs> don't think that's so good. But yeah. <laughs> only makes you so, a better rider and trainer, yeah, though. Yeah. The more horses you can swim oh, a leg over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The more horses you can ride, the better you are going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I truly believe that. So um, I think it's good for everybody. Get, like, you know, have your, your finished horse or whatever, but always have something else like on the go have a have a colt have something to be yeah. playing around with and yeah. you know like i mean i understand if you can't have you know a whole bunch of them or whatever like but have something else too mm-hmm. that just keeps you on your toes kind of thing keeps you learning right and it's kind so. of nice of like say you're having problems with one horse you can swing your leg over another horse and get like a small victory and it actually oh. just boosts your confidence yeah mm-hmm. yeah for sure for sure just yeah i i really think it's that's 
super important, having some different horses to ride and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah. So speaking of riding different horses, we actually heard you borrowed a horse for the first three rounds of one of your finals. Uh, what made you decide to do that instead of riding Rowdy? Yeah. So, um, like I said earlier about if you guys would have seen videos of me running Rowdy indoors, it oh. would seriously make you laugh. Like, <laughs> I, so he was never strong inside. Um, he, he's a very, like, he's the epitome of push style. When people tell you push style horse, that is Rowdy to a T. He, <laughs> you have to ride him every inch of the way. If you give up a little bit, he totally throttles back. Like, yeah. he, you have to ride him every step of the way. And so being like that, it's a little tough running indoors, you know, like it's small and cold, it's, you know, barrels are on the fence. And yeah. so he, like, he was just never tough inside. And so I just, you know, I made finals and I'm like, and I didn't enter the indoor rodeos. Like I didn't, I didn't go to kill him and two hills. And I, I just, I didn't enter him because I'm like, I know he's not going to be tough in there. Like, so, um, <laughs> so then I, I'm very lucky to have some pretty awesome friends. Um, so Jessie, uh, Vandenberg has a little mare. Um, she calls Dally. Well, she sold her now. She's a broodmare now, but, um, and she was just a wicked little indoor horse. And so, you know, I was talking to her and she basically just kind of offered up Dally if I wanted her. And so, um, I just thought at the time, I just thought that was the right decision to make just because it's. It, I just didn't want to put Rowdy through it either. Like I, I know he, just, you know, just was never exceptional inside, and it was tough for him and and tough on my knee. Like mm-hmm. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's a little hard, right? So, yeah. um, so I I made the decision to run her mare, and and you know, looking back, I should have just stuck with Rowdy, but at the time, that's the decision I made. Yeah, and so I made a practice run on her um before the finals and you know and, and we made a nice little practice run and everything was good and, but you know then you get to a finals and competition and there's everything else going on and and you know we made three runs and but just you know didn't place they weren't terrible runs but they weren't you know getting us in the money so I thought you know at this point I'll just get on rowdy we'll see you know I got nothing to lose at this point I you know made three rounds on dally and I thought well Let's just see what Rowdy can do. So I ran him the fourth night and um, we didn't place. We were just out of place. No, he actually didn't run too bad. And I was like, oh, okay. So then the next night I ran him and he ran a 13.09. And I believe the record in there is a 12.9 something, I oh, think, in wow. St. Paul. So 13.0 so 13, is very respectable in St. Paul. It's That's a yeah. good time. Like, and so I was like, okay, he can do this. So I learned something. I was like, just because, you know, your horse maybe wasn't strong at something in the past doesn't mean they can't be strong at mm-hmm. it in the future. You yeah. just have to keep grinding it out. Yeah. So just, you know, it's, you know, I think Rowdy was, in 2016, he was 11 or 12, something like that. So, I mean, he was, he was older. You you just got to keep grinding yeah. it out sometimes with these horses, you know. So, I I learned to value the lesson there. Just, you know, keep just keep going. Keep grinding out. You never know. They might come around. And, and he did. Like, he, you know, he, so then, you know, next up was Wild Rose Finals. 
And um, yeah, and we ended up winning it. But and he, he didn't win it by a landslide. I had, it came down to the last round, and I had to win the last round. Mm-hmm. And we did. We we ran the fastest time of the finals on the last wow. round. Oh, oh my so, goodness! You're giving me chills. <laughs> more chills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh man, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, that yeah. Year. And you can so, you can teach an old dog new tricks. That's what <laughs> yeah. So you know, yeah, you just you just gotta keep going, keep grinding it out. You yeah, know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So that's kind of where that how that year ended up. So yeah, yeah. that's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that because like I you know I have friends or like my horse is nine and you kind of think like okay like they're what they are going to be for a barrel horse right now. Like you're not, yeah. it's going to be way hard to yeah. like school anything or change their style or, or, you know, if they're, you know, yeah. turning inside exactly like your story was. So I really yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like, I mean, it, it does, you know, some horses might, you know, they might never be exceptional at something that they weren't really, you know, good at before, but that doesn't mean they won't improve a little bit if you yeah. just, you know, or maybe it's just a, something little you need to change or your mindset. Like, you know, for me, it was, it was him maturing and him getting more comfortable inside and me also just riding him just that little bit more aggressively that I probably was inside before. Cause in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, he's just not good inside. So mm-hmm. I probably, you know, not knowing was just not really riding him the way I should have been either. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a big thing too, just your mindset and just grinding it out, you know? So. Is Rowdy, a, like, is he a cowbred horse? He is. He's, um, he's a quarter run. So he has a quarter gasohol in him and then, um, cowbred. So he's got, uh, major bonanza, um, dry dock 17. Okay. Yeah. He, so he's three quarter cow and a quarter run. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, and I kind of, I like, I like a mix. I kind of like, I'm, I'm more cowbred person. Like I, I lean towards cowbred horses more than a running bred horse, but I, I like a mix. I like a little bit of a mix kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. cool. yeah. So Rowdy had another serious injury. Was that the year after, like, was that in 2017 that he got? So, yeah. Yeah. That was in 2017. Oh, poor guy. So, Oh yeah, yeah. Rowdy's kind of rough though. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good name. So, for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know, poor guy. Um, yeah, so that so in 2017, um, we had another you know decent year and made finals, and but we didn't really have you know the best finals runs. It was just I don't know, this wasn't our year. Mm-hmm. But um, I went to the CBHI, and that was our last run of the year I always turn my horses out in the winter kind of thing CBHI would have been my last jackpot and then I would just turn my horses out and so I got home and turned him out in his pen and let him go into his back pen and his grass pen and you know everything's fine and probably I don't know maybe two three days later I noticed like his back leg is kind of swelling up a little bit and I'm like and he wasn't lame at this point it was just kind of swelling up a bit mm-hmm. and so I was like hmm, okay and then the next day it's swelled up a little bit more and he's starting to just be a little bit more sore in it so I thought okay he's abscessing so I you know get I soak it and I'm poulticing it and you know two days I'm like okay this should be starting to like it it was getting worse because leg was swelling up more and I'm like okay well what what else could this be besides Mm -hmm. that right so um I have a neighbor guy that's a vet and I just asked him if he wouldn't mind just coming over and so he 
comes over and he kind of, you know, he cleans out his foot a bit and he couldn't really see anything. And he gave him a shot of antibiotics and strong antibiotics. And he's like, well, let's just, let's see if this helps him. So like, so he's like, let me know in like two days or whatever. And it was just, his was just getting progressively worse. And I mean, the poultice pad, when I would take it off, it was just like filled with pus, like oh, just, oh. and I'm like, okay. So I'm like, something is not right here. So then mm-hmm. I ended up loading him up in the trailer and I took him to Delaney. And so this is at like seven o'clock at night or whatever. So Lana, you know, let me in, got me in there mm-hmm. and she kind of just, looked him over quickly and she's like well we'll have a vet look at him in the morning and um she but I could tell like like I said my mom's a vet so I, I've been around vets and I could just tell the way she was like kind of looking at it and she didn't want to say too much to me but I'm like I knew something was bad like yeah. so um the next morning um I was at work and I got a phone call around like I don't know, around 10 or something like that and um it, they said that they looked at it and x-rayed him and they could find they found the hole basically he had stepped on a nail so a nail had gone right up his foot kind of around his frog area and it went like they they stick something in there when they do the x-ray to kind of see where the hole goes kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. went like right up right up inside there so that's even worse um, than the eye story really i'm still a team eyeball i'm still team eyeball (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're rowdy. We're rowdy. You're right. Yeah, he's <laughs> been through a lot. So, so here we are. I am at work, and I get this news from this one vet at Delaney's, and of course, I am like, so I am sobbing at work. I'm in the back, like crying. And so, because he basically tells me that it's it's not good. Like, I, basically, that I need to put him down because, oh, um, oh. yeah, because when horses step on nails and he's like basically he's pretty sure his joint is infected yeah. that they just they don't make it like he he said he's I think he had done three surgeries um on horses and there was only one that survived it and it was like an Arab mare or something which if you don't know like Arabs are tough they're like freaking tough as nails yeah so <laughs> they're, they're tough so he's like the only one that I've done surgery on that survived was this Arab mare. And he's like, I just, he goes, I'm, you know, he's like, I can't tell you what to do, but he's like, I would just probably recommend that you'd have to put him down. And so I was just, of course, devastated. Yeah. Oh. So I, you know, I leave work and I go see him and kind of just, you know, that with him and whatever. And then, so I go home and I basically, made the like I'm making this decision like I gotta put him down right so the next day I call my neighbor who has a backhoe and he comes and he digs the hole in his back pasture there and so that was on a Thursday I get his hole dug and then Friday I'm driving to Delaney's to pick him up and so my vet so my mom is in the States now. She's been in the States for like 15 years so she Mm -hmm. like I still you know talk to her about stuff but she's not she doesn't practice up here anymore. So she's, she's moved. So the vet that I have now that works on my horses and stuff, he was getting a pacemaker put in. So I had called him when this originally first happened, but he was on a commission. He was in the hospital getting a pacemaker. So, you know, I just kind of left him a message telling him to just call me back. And, you know, Rowdy was something wrong with Rowdy and whatever. So he calls me back 
Friday when I am driving to pick him up to bring him home to put him down. Oh boy. And he just, he said to me, he goes, you need to get a second opinion. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I, this vet was, you know, like <laughs> oh kind of telling God. me that this, you know, he, this vet I'm talking to is basically telling me that they don't live from this. Like they don't live after this. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. So he, but he's, my vet was like, no, you need to call more in company and you need to get a second opinion. So, I get off the phone with him and I call Morn Company and I just left a message for, I think I called and asked for Dr. Rock or Dr. Madison and um, to call me back. So I get to Delaney's and I'm in the front there crying to the secretary you know, like, and basically telling her though, like that I made a call to Morn Company to just get a second opinion, just to see, you know, and Ryan Shoemaker was in his office and behind the, secretary's desk there or whatever and he could hear me talking and he came out and he said to me he goes well he goes you know I've done quite a few of these surgeries and he said really it's kind of like a 50 50 and I was like well 50 50 I'm like uh yeah like where do we sign them up here like I was like 50 50 that's good I'm thinking that's fine so I just wanted to save his life I I just said to Ryan I said I, this horse saved my life in 2016. I just want to save his life. Yeah. And so he he said, "Well, I can I can do it." He said, "I can do it on Monday morning." And I'm like, "Okay." So I left him there, and um, yeah, went back Monday. I was there for that surgery. I I went and I watched it and stayed there with him. And yeah, and uh, so he did the surgery and. My farrier, John McKenzie, was there with me, too, because they had to put on his right foot, they had to put, like, a really good supportive shoe because he'd been three-legged, right? And he was going to be three-legged for quite a while after this. So we really needed to support that leg because horses aren't meant to be on three legs. Like, mm-hmm. usually then something happens to that leg that's supporting them. The so um, that's another worry you got to worry about, too. It's not just the leg that had the nail go up but it's the other leg too right so um yeah so my farrier was there and uh yeah he put a shoe on with him laying sideways on the table so his skills were put to test no (laughs) kidding (laughs) but um yeah so the and that procedure was that was quite interesting so the bottom of rowdy's foot looked like hamburger when it was done ew i I, i'm sorry this is gonna be it's gonna be graphic guys (laughs) God. So they basically they have to like clean it all up, like tear everything out of there, clean it up, and then so basically what they call what he had is the street nail procedure. So what they have to do is go up in there where the nail went in and kind of like bore it out, mm-hmm. so that they can go and flush the antibiotics up into the joint to try and get the infection out of the joint. Mm-hmm. So because that's what would kill them, they yeah. can't live with an infected joint. So, um, so basically Ryan had to, you know, go in there, follow the hole up and, um, get it so he could flush antibiotics in there a couple times after this surgery or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, they, I think he said he, flush, like after, you know, they wake him up, get him up. I think he said he flushed him maybe two or three more times after that. Um, and then you kind of just, it's just by trial and error, just kind of seeing when, you know you kind of have to quit and then just see what happens. Right. Cause the biggest thing is just trying to get it up in there into the joint. And then 
it actually draining properly. So that's, I guess, one of the biggest reasons why, you know, these horses don't live from this is because it's getting that proper drainage yeah. and you're going up into the joint, like in a, you know, in the foot, it's, mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing, it's right? Ris- so, risky to, it's risky oh, business yeah. and you might even, you know, you could maybe cause infection by doing yeah. so. Oh yeah, for right sure. Now. Well, and he, like, you know, like Ryan said, he's like, no doubt he probably has infected like they, they really can't tell you for sure but he's like with what he you know had coming out of there and he's like i'll guarantee you he has an infection in there so mm-hmm. basically it was then just kind of sit and wait right you just have to wait and see if it works yeah. so um so then he, he stayed at delaney's for probably about two weeks and then Ryan said one day, he's like, I think he's ready. He can, he can go to the rehab place. Like he's like, I, I feel pretty good. So we get him over it to um, West Anna, which is by um, Redwater. And they kind of have a working relationship with them. Delaney's and West Anna, they work together a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, which was perfect. Cause it's like half an hour from my house. So I could go and see him all the time. And so he ended up going to West Anna and he did his rehab there and he was there for, I think about two months or maybe a little over two months, maybe, mm-hmm. but basically from after the surgery, like he never looked back. He just, he wow. just started getting better and yeah. And that's, awesome. that's amazing. Yeah. And, but I guess like, so I just think, you know, it would cost a lot of money, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I didn't care. I just wanted to save his life. And mm-hmm. You know, um, and then one of the funny things was, so Lana was, she was, I was there one day visiting him and she was there looking at other horses or whatever. And she kind of peeked her head in the stall and she goes, wow, he is looking pretty good. She goes, you know, we gave him about a 20% chance of survival. And oh. I'm like, I was told it was 50, 50. And she kind of just looked at me and snorted like it, it, it was like he, they theoretically didn't think he was going to make it, but. You know, Ryan just knew, he could tell what the horse meant to me. And just that I, yeah. if I wouldn't have done this surgery, I would have probably regretted it my whole life. Yeah. So Ryan was just, he just knew I needed to do it kind of thing. You know, it's just kind of funny how it all works out. But yeah, so, and he, yeah, he's out in the pasture here now. And he's not the soundest, like he he's pretty sound if he's just walking around. But if he gets playing around and bucking and carrying on, then he's, he's a little sore. Um, and that's because of the deep digital flexor. So the nail went up through the deep digital flexor. And then when Ryan had to do the surgery, he had to go back up through it again and bore mm-hmm. it out. Like, so, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, so that's why he, you know, not competitive sound. It's, it's oh, okay. deep, deep digital flexor. Yeah. So, but he's, he's happy and he's tormenting my horses and <laughs> he's living, he's living out his, his best life here. Yeah. So oh, and he deserves That's that. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Oh, he yeah. probably yeah. loves yeah. it. Yeah. He probably oh, misses yeah. barrel racing though. I bet. <laughs> I don't, yeah. He, you know what? He was, he was the type of horse that was happy to go. He, yeah. he was the, he was the happy go lucky, the want to be with you, like never sour, never fought the gate like he was so easy that way like just go with the flow like you know there's those, the meme about the, the mare and the geldings and it's like a day in the life of a mare and a day in the life of a gelding and his is definitely a day in the life of a gelding like where's my food uh you're gonna give me cookies you know like that's totally he was just so easy and laid back and yeah so 
Hmm. Well, he's a special, special <laughs> yeah. horse. Oh, yes. He, he definitely is. He is definitely my uh, once-in-a-lifetime horse. Yeah. yeah. He well, definitely was definitely was that. So that was another tearjerker yeah. story. That <laughs> we, me and Steph, <laughs> me and Stephanie just freaking teared up again. This little baby. Oh boy. Yeah. But thank you oh. so much for sharing that story with mm-hmm. us. Like that means a lot. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. I, anytime I can talk about Rowdy, I'll talk about Rowdy. <laughs> yeah, That's no what we kidding. found on this podcast. Whenever people can talk about their horses, they're pumped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so maybe now we'll move into a bit of your training program and some of the current prospects that you have going on now. Mm-hmm. Um, so sure. as you've mentioned, you did do quite a bit of riding with D Butterfield over the years. Um, mm-hmm. What What do you think some main things you've learned from D would be that you put towards your own training program? What haven't I learned from D? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> what haven't I learned from D? D was, oh man. Well, okay, so... I buy the horse from D and I of course needed, I needed some fine tuning. I hadn't buried in like 12 years or whatever it was. And I needed to get back into the game and, you know, needed some help. So I don't even really know, you know, what drew me to D or like wanting to get, I just thought I'm going to just give her a call and I'm going to see what she has for horses. And, um, and it never, it's never looked back. There, mm-hmm. She's like family to me. That's... And then I met her daughter, Brooke, and we're best friends. And it's like, it's, yeah, never yeah. looked back. Since. So, um, but yeah, she, she helped me with all my fine tuning I needed and all the, you know, little tricks that you need with horses, like, you know, different little things to get them working on the pattern. And um, yeah, she, she's been pretty special in my life so yeah and uh yeah so she she's the one that got me kind of back into this and then yeah so I think I'm you forever and, grateful for her you and uh stevie have a similar story there <laughs> yeah that's kind of like i was looking for a horse and i called yeah. her up and asked what she has and then I've gone to like yeah like five clinics i think i'm going to another one this oh, weekend yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's good at that. Horses, she sells you a horse and then she sucks oh, you I know. in. <laughs> yes. And then you're just, you're there forever. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But that's just the type, that's the type of person she is. She's yeah. just so, just so personable. And yeah. Like, and she's always willing to, to help. Oh, yeah. Easy, yeah. And just easy to be around mm-hmm. and just, you know, funny and yeah. So, yeah, I know you, and you fought now what, if you, what, three or something from Yeah, her, she named a horse after D. <laughs> Yeah, she loves her. <laughs> yeah, my little she's four now. Her name is D. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been bit by the D bug yet, but I'm sure with the friend group I hang out with, it'll happen sooner. <laughs> we'll maybe get you some, oh, yeah. some babies from the ones we have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah because you know my track record is five hundred dollars in five years on horses. So <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna get one that cheap. For me. <laughs> Not for me, even with a friend. Yeah, group. I'll show you my boobs. <laughs> yeah, no, you you'd have to do some serious dealing. I you won't get one for that cheap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that just seems to be my track record. <laughs> Yeah, and if you haven't went and rode with D, you have to go and ride with D. Mm-hmm. That's a must. Yeah, I, I hope to one day. It's been a little hard with this COVID here. I haven't worked in four months. Oh, so. I know. Yeah, <laughs> kind of put a kink in a lot of things. Yeah. But. Gonna sign up for sugardaddy.com or something here. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> 
Oh, dear. oh boy! <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> or am I? Should I delete my profile now? Or just kidding? <laughs> Girl's gonna kill me. <laughs> so yeah. So then, um, my training program. Um, so basically, like I said earlier, a broke horse. That is the the kind of the basis of my program and what I wanted my horses. You can do anything with a broke horse, but a truly mm-hmm. broke horse. So, um, just, you know, and I, that just doesn't mean riding them in an arena and getting them broke that way. It, it means like life experiences, like, you know, getting them out, getting them, chasing some cows or going to the mountains or anything, anything, like just getting them out, exposed to stuff. Um, cause that will all help in your, um, scholarship. The more you can get your horse out, get them broke, then the pattern kind of, it becomes easy if you have a broke horse, truly. So um, I guess that's the, you know, the biggest basis of my program. Um, Can you kind of define to us like what you would consider a really, really broke horse or a colt broke enough that you would, that you would start on the barrel pattern in your program? Mm -hmm. Okay. So for me, a broke horse is um, totally soft, collectible, the things behind and moving up underneath you, um, collection you can place them wherever you want you can be standing there and you can move whatever leg you want you can move hind quarters front quarters soft supple collection like that to me is a broke horse so like no resistance when you're asking your horse to do something you have to have softness like Mm -hmm. some people say oh you can get your horse too soft I don't believe that because when you start running your horse you lose a lot of that softness. So you have to have them super soft and supple because when you go to running, you are going to lose a lot of it. Mm -hmm. I noticed that with mine. Same. (laughs) Cash is so soft, especially roping. She's so soft. But as soon as we like start to run, she like tries to like just take the bit. And I'm just like, hey, you don't even do this at home. Like what the frig is your problem? So that, (laughs) that, yes, you can't, like you can't have that. Like I, I always say to people when, um, when I make contact with the corners of their mouth, there can be no resistance at mm-hmm. all. It is, it is tuck, give to me, what do you want? Like I, mm-hmm. there can't be any resistance because if you have that just at a, a walk, trot, a lope, when you add speed, it is getting 10 times worse. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and while your horse is resisting you in the pattern, the clock is ticking. So mm-hmm. it, it's slow. If you have a horse that's resisting you, that's slow. So, um, you just, you really have to work on getting them soft and supple. And I round pen all my young horses. I round penning is like the, the key, man. It's the ticket. Ooh, let, I, um, let's talk about I learned that. that in Arizona. <laughs> I think, I feel like everyone that I talked to round pens their horse in Arizona. And now I started round yep. penning cash big time every time I ride her. Yeah. So yeah. what do you do in the round pen? Yeah. Explain to us your um, process. So like, okay, so let's, I'll just start kind of if it's a, a colt or whatever. So, um, I'll always, I always just start my horses in a snaffle. Um, and so I'll just start them out by just the cow and I'll do it on foot. Like I won't like time to the saddle right away. I'll just do everything kind of on foot. So I'll stand beside them, take my hand down the rein, like get the feel on them, you know, get the feel on their mouth, then pull them around. I, I do everything soft and easy. Um, on the ground without tying them to the saddle or anything first. Mm-hmm, I always mm-hmm. just, you know, do it on the ground, not 
you know, don't want to panic them, right? So um, start out doing that. Then I'll work to putting my split reins up in the top. There's different ways you can do it. You can tie your split reins together, put it behind the candle of your saddle. You I like that because then, then they kind of yeah. like give to the pressure on their own, right? Like when their yeah. one foot goes forward, it gets a little softer on one side. I do like how that works. Yeah, and I, I like that's probably the way I do it the most. Because it's kind of the easiest too, so you can get your knot and it's in behind your cantle. And then when you want to ask for shape, you just slide your knot around the back of your cantle to, to just, if you want them shaped up to the left, you just slide it a little to the right. If you want the other way, you just move it. So it makes it kind of easy. It's just quick and easy, right? That's that's probably my favorite way of doing it in the end with a horse that I'm round pinning is I'll just tie it behind the cantle and just move the knot around. And um, it's just easy that way. And I kind of like also that way of where places it um kind of on their neck and mm-hmm. it kind of keeps it up a little higher yeah. the d-rings it's lower so the d-rings you really are you know it's, it's almost a little bit too low i mm-hmm. don't like it that low kind of thing i want it to be kind of where my, more where my hands are right yeah and yeah. so that's that's what's higher up so um so but yeah so i'll i will put it to the d-ring when i'm wanting to just tie their head around and um so i'll just run it to the d-ring bring it up to the horn, just tie it around the horn kind of thing. And then just let them go around the round pen, just with their head around, just till they realize, just come around soft, give, you know, kind of thing. Do that each way. Like everything you do is obviously both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the end, what I want is just, I'll just put it behind the cantle and make them go around. And I'll sometimes just leave it straight in behind so they're, they're straight or, you know, I'll ask for the flexion. Um, Work them around, roll them back. Just I round penning is a huge thing. I I mm-hmm. really believe it will just save a lot of time and a lot of um, frustration. I think, and it just it just makes it easier. You get on them after you round pen them, and they are they already kind of feel like butter, and yeah. you're you know just getting in the saddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, I I do it with all my young like young horses, and even. Like, I would put Rowdy in the round pen once in a while. Like, if I felt he was, you know, kind of maybe wanting to get a little resistant or whatever, a little stiff, I'd, I'd stick him in the round pen. I, I round pen anything. It doesn't matter what age, when I think they need it. Like, it's it's a good tool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> round pen is a good tool. And you don't actually have to have a round pen. You can do no. it in a square pen. Like, yeah. you know, you can, I didn't have a round pen for the longest time. I used our cattle sorting pen. It was a square pen. And you just go around make them go around like you can do it in square pen you don't have to have literally a round pen i actually do it in a in a big old open arena um but how i do it is i just i have a halter with a lunge line attached to it already more of like my training halter yeah and a super long lunge line i just throw the bit on and i just lunge her like that and it's it works so well and i love it and I'm super happy because I, when I went to Arizona, Sonda Mark says that with all of her horses. Yeah. And I was really yeah. happy. And same with Kim Gertoski. So I was really happy to take that away from them and, and do that yeah. because it and has that, and no difference. Yeah. And that's what I do in Arizona. I don't have a round pen in Arizona. I have my round pen up here. So yeah. in Arizona, I just, I bit them up and I put a long lunge line on the bit. And that's mm-hmm. how I, that's how I round pen them in Arizona. Yep. So you can, you can get it done anyway. There's many ways to skin a cat. So, <laughs> you know, 
So I do have a question for you. It's a more personal question. I'm sure some of our listeners can relate to it. So when I'm on my mare, like I do, I round pen her and I do lots of drills at home with speed and everything. So I speed her up along the wall. Then I slow her back down, like along the short walls and I'll do Mm -hmm. a ton of barrel drills. And she's like a very, very, very soft horse. And Mm -hmm. like when I'm roping, she's soft and everything. But as soon as we're at a jackpot, it's like, as soon as we get to our second barrel, she like flips her nose out and like resists me and it's like we do so much nice slow work and then I do some work with speed and she's head low nice and soft and it's like as soon as we get to a jackpot that's when she wants to flip her nose and like it looks so ugly look when I slow-mo the video I'm just like gross cash like why so so she's just doing it on her second bro so you like your first is fine so she's soft and she's good on her first and then you go across your second and she's doing it on your line the second yeah. or she's doing when it I, around the barrel or on the back side no when i check Isn't her it? when i check oh, her that's really? when she flips her nose up and it's like okay we don't you don't even i'll make a practice run at home oh. and her head is nice and low it's just when we're going into it she'll like fight my check so okay so is she okay here's a question if you are practicing, like if you're at home and do this does she do it or is this only when you're away like at competition like when there's pressure on like, only at competition with, and I know I ride oh, different at competition because I can. I was gonna nervous, say, but. okay, so if the, okay, so if things are like good at home, yeah. and then you go away, and she's doing this, and is and if it's always kind of consistently on the second, then I'm almost tempted to say, like, I'm wondering what if there's something different you're doing, or like if you're maybe being a little bit heavier on her than you would be in practice, or yeah. like maybe you're pulling her a little too much, maybe, and then that's. I think you know, I'm almost pardon. too, like, too too light with her. Like, could that be, like, a little bit of a thing, too? Or even, like, when I'm running home. Like, sometimes she'll run right into the fence. Like, she does not want to stop. Oh. <laughs> but she'll, like, slide. Oh. Like, she has a nice stop at home or she'll go, like, right on her butt. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know, lady. <laughs> yeah, she just, like, yeah, she does just kind of disregard the. Yeah. 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 So that, to me, that, like, it's okay. If you have all these other things ruled out, like her teeth have been done and yeah, she's everything sound, and we always I always rule out any soundness stuff. That's always first. Yeah. But it's to me, then she's almost like she's disobeying you a little bit. Like yeah. if Yeah. So you if so you've been round penning her? Yeah. Then a little bit? Round okay. penning and all that, yeah. Okay. So I there's a little exercise I do with some of my horses, the ones that kind of if they want to be a little bit stiff or you know resist me a little bit um and it's pulling their head around like at a trot and Mm -hmm. even at a lope so um I will do this with horses if they want to kind of resist me a little bit because you have to really get them soft like they're they're being too stiff so you can just start it well you can start by walking around and just sliding so have kind of like your reins loose slide your hand down on the rein get a feel Mm -hmm. kind of get that feel on the corner of her mouth and then pull your hand around to your pocket okay. and bring her head around and then and let her circle around there. Just get her soft. Then start doing it at a trot. Trot her around, loose rein, just l- and let her go wherever in the arena. Like let her go wherever. And then slide your hand down on the rein, get that feel, pull it around. Pull her head around, bring her around, and then do it at a lope too. So a lot of people at a lope, they don't they don't want to really give that grab because you're you're gonna have to give a pull like you know she's gonna be loping around there and you got to reach down and get be assertive 
with mm-hmm. it. I guess that's the big thing. A lot of girls, around. they're not quite assertive enough when they pull them around. Yeah. Because this, this drill helps getting them soft. Okay. So do it both ways. Have her loping around. It's like a slow, nice lope, whatever. But, and then pull her head around. And do that a couple times. And that really, I, I find that exercise for me really gets them soft and thinking about you and, yeah. and, and being soft when you're asking them. Um, I don't like if she's the thing is if she's nice at home in the practice pen and she's not doing any of this and then you go to competition and she's doing this it kind of you know I'm wondering if you're maybe asking her like your nerves might be getting to you mm-hmm. or something a little bit you might be asking her a little bit differently than you do in the practice pen yeah so you might need to concentrate on you know like watch your video after and see if you know how your hands were mm-hmm. or because um, a lot of people in practice, there's no pressure, right? Exactly. So they kind of ride maybe light and soft and it's, it's easy because the horse knows the pen and, and then you go to competition. Yeah, you go somewhere else and yeah. then there's all the other horses around and there's some music and there might be banners and like mm-hmm. all the stuff that goes with a jackpot. Yeah. And things like the horse gets maybe a little more tense and you get more tense. And so everything's kind of you know building up kind of thing mm-hmm. but I would get someone to video you too and and watch your hands watch your cue are you cueing her the same as you do at home yeah you know or get and just kind of see what is going on there but a little bit of that is also I think her just kind of flipping you the bird a bit like if she, she wants to throw her head up yeah like right like i like i can deal with the nose slipping on second but when she like smashed into like the the arena fence i was just like okay like that's enough like (laughs) well that yeah that doesn't yeah i wouldn't be putting up with that you gotta get her being obedient she is not you know and i mean i guess i could say too like have you ever tried to tie down on her like no i haven't that was an idea that i was thinking of though yeah, I mean, some horses might, she might need a tie down. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, just play around with it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, um, but I, I would definitely do that exercise, soften her up, pull her pulling her around yeah. side to side. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. try that and for sure. Yeah, it, it'll help just get her a little more responsive to you mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I mean, yeah, you might, maybe she needs a tie down. I don't know, like, just play around and try it. But yeah her not but like even like, like I heard you say you don't really doesn't bother you that she does it at second when she puts it but just remember the clock is ticking when yes. she's doing that yes mm-hmm. so it's she's she is resisting you a little bit mm-hmm. when she's got her head in the air like that it's she's not concentrating on her job mm-hmm. so that's costing you time too so it's you don't and a lot of times you leave little things like that and then they just they mushroom and they get bigger and then mm-hmm. it, it, it gets to be a problem, right? Yeah. So you kind of got to nip it in the butt. I wouldn't let her keep doing that because it'll, it'll turn into a problem yeah. eventually. So For sure. Well, but, thank you very much for that. I'm definitely going to yeah, try that right. as soon as it stops raining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, as soon as our arenas are dry. Yeah. <laughs> so after you do some round penning and whatnot, what are your some of your go-to drills for getting your horses started on the pattern? Um, okay, so I'm not a huge drill person like um I do like I always usually in my arena on a daily basis I just I have the pattern set up um but I do there's a couple drills um I took a Judy Milamaki clinic um years ago and she really has a lot of cool drills and 
So I do a couple of perks that I really like. There's um, the four barrel drill. So you got, you know, four barrel set up kind of in the square and you can start from the inside or the outside and you just basically pick a, pick a direction and you just, you go, so you have a, there's like a point in the middle of those four barrels. That's kind of, you always have to cross that point. So you start out, you come in kind of around the middle, like in the middle of it. Then you circle around the one barrel, come back up into the middle, cross that point, go to the next barrel, circle, and you just do that the same direction all around. Okay. Um, I don't know what she calls all these chills. I can't remember. But anyway, this one is like a four barrel drill. And you can do it starting from the inside, and then you can go on the outside and work it. Um, you can set three barrels up in a row and just, you know, go around them the same direction, switch, go the other way. It's, it's basically just getting your horses learning how to be in a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, Balanced there's a lot of soft. times like, oh, there's a, yeah, it's, and you don't even have to have barrels in I've been out in the field and circling around hay bales. So it's just anything, <laughs> you know? So it's just basically getting them so that they're good on a circle. Um, I always want my horses driving up underneath me. I want that feeling of them kind of like, the way I describe it to people, it's kind of like cupping my leg. So, you know, I want that feeling of the hip is in. I got that eye. I got the shape. Their rib cage is soft. Um, they, and they have to be able to go around that like on a loose frame. So, Colt, you know, you got to babysit them and handle them. And But I eventually want to just kind of be able to let it go. like, And so they can do that on a loose frame. And I don't really start my horses on the pattern till I, I have that. I, like a lot of girls kind of, will start their horses on the pattern and they kind of have to be babysitting them in the turns a lot. And I, I don't really want to be having to do that. I'd rather when they approach that barrel, they, they know how to have their shape. They mm-hmm. know how to rate back to me. I've done all, you know, I've worked on speed transitions. I, it's just getting them broke. Like I don't like to start them on the pattern till I have them pretty darn broke. It just makes it easier. Then you're not having to, you know, deal with stuff where they can get kind of frustrated because you know they don't know exactly what you want and then you're creating some kind of panic on the pattern and I I don't like doing that so Mm -hmm. I do a ton of off pattern stuff with them just getting them broke and then then I'll start them on the pattern um and I walk it a ton with my colt so they can they can learn a lot by walking. It doesn't all have to be about speed mm-hmm. with with babies with young ones. So um, I just I'll start out with walking it a lot. Then you know a couple of days we'll do that. Then then we'll start trotting it. Go back to walking. Then the next day we'll maybe try to trot around it twice, and then we'll walk it. Like I just I slowly build on the pattern. Um, but having that horse soft, supple is key. That is, that's key. It just then makes it so much easier, right? So, um, yeah, so then I just start going into pattern work um, and just building them up. You just slowly build the speed over time. Like, I'm, I'm a slow poke. I take, I take a long time. Like, my horses are, like, they're not probably jackpotting until they're, like, five or six. Like, six, basically. Five, I could maybe start time onlying them. But it's, you know, they're still going pretty slow. Mm-hmm. But, um yeah, so that's kind of where they are for the pattern kind of thing. So, so when you're starting a young horse on the pattern, um, and pre- or preparing them for the pattern, and if they're maybe n- not as turny of a horse, 
Like, say you have a dash okay. to fame who likes to, <laughs> to just go. Are you speaking from personal? <laughs> yeah. How do you instill rate into them from the beginning? Okay. So, um, I do a lot of speed transition work with my horses. So, I'm always, I, the feeling I want is I always want my horses in my hands. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to feel like they're pushing through me. Um, it, you know, and even a horse that wants to go, you can still have that feeling of them collected and, and up in your hands. Yeah. Um, so, like, even with my colts when I'm starting. So when we start out at a trot, I I don't poke right away. I sit, I collect them, I just get that nice little pleasure trot. We just have them so they know they're in my hands, mm-hmm. and then I'll start posting and we'll, you know, okay. ask them to go a little faster. And then I'll go around maybe a circle where I'm posting, and then I'm going to sit. I'm going to sit back in that saddle and of course babies don't know like so sit back in the saddle and I'll have to bring them back to me but in the end I want my horse listening to my body completely my yeah so as soon as soon as I sit in the saddle that horse is just melting back to me they're just coming back throttling back Mm -hmm. so and that's of course it's just over time and and I'm eventually I want it so I don't even have to touch their face I just sit in the seat and they come back to me Mm -hmm. um it just, and it comes a lot of just, I believe, having them in your hands and collected. Mm-hmm. Like, just have them soft, listening to you, waiting on you. Um, that's that's a big thing, I think, for, you know, horses that kind of that, that go horse. Mm-hmm. Like, their run, that's not the issue. It's them usually turning. It's yeah. <laughs> usually like, usually want to go and they're not turning. Um, I did, there was... So I should tell you this drill here too, because I, most of the horses I have are raised. I, I yeah. just, because I like cowbred horses, most of the time a cowbred horse, they want to turn. They are hunting a barrel. So, um, but I have had some that, you know, didn't want to be that turning. So I had this gelding once that um, Karina Dixon wanted to try. So I met her with Karina and so she's trying him. And he was, he was a goat. He was more go than wool this horse. And he didn't really, he wouldn't lock onto his first. He wasn't too bad on his, on his left turns. And I mean, I, and I tried both ways, but he was definitely better going to the right barrel first. But mm-hmm. um, he just, for some reason, didn't want to lock onto that first. And I was, you know, I don't, I don't like to stop my horses to teach them right. I want them to just listen to my body. When I sit, they just collect up, you know, gather up under me. Um, but I, you know, would have to, I, stopped him and did some drills like that but he it's just he still didn't want to like kind of walk on to it so she's really good friends with lisa lockhart and she's rode with her quite a bit and she goes yeah lisa has drill she's like i'll show you and i'm like okay so basically your line to first she would put another girl in there so on your line to first you'd be heading to first she would turn that horse before the first barrel and i'm like you would never do this with a rainy horse. <laughs> you would never. Yeah, like a, horse no that wants, a horse that wants to turn, like, if I have to do that for Rowdy, like, holy cow, party over. I mean, so, over. you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you would never do this with a rainy horse. But this is a horse that didn't really want to lock on to first. So she would, you know, go up on your line and then you would just basically turn an air barrel there. You would turn once or twice there. And it, it just would get them kind of waiting on you and listening to you. So, you know, you do that. She actually she did that a couple times with that gelding, and then she made a run on him. And it, we were at the castle, so it's a big outdoor pen. And 
yeah, he actually kind of, he was kind of walking onto it first. He was thinking about trying to turn it. So I was like, hmm. <laughs> you know, I like if that would work for second barrel I, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, second, that might be a little tricky because horses sometimes want to duck on their second yeah. evidence. So I don't know yeah. if we'd want to be doing that on second barrel. Let's just give myself another problem. <laughs> Let's do it just yeah, for, just for shits was, and giggles. <laughs> yeah, just no, kidding. like second barrel, that one, that one can be a little tricky because some horses that they do want to kind of duck out on mm-hmm. that one as it is. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, no. So I mean, that was a little you know, drill that Karina showed me and, um, and I, yeah, it kind of, I've done it on a couple horses since then, the ones that I kind of just, they, you know, just want, kind of wanting to lock onto that barrel mm-hmm. and it helps it, you know, you don't do it too much. Like you just, you kind of do a little bit and it kind of got the ones I've had that want to be a little bit free roll and wanting to turn it. So, um, but, and again, like, and then you can do a lot of, I think just with those horses that, want to run by barrels or you know not lock onto them you you have to kind of keep them in your hand like you Mm -hmm. can't just be letting them run all out because they're not wanting to turn it as it is Mm -hmm. so you kind of got to keep them contained a little bit like you know and that's kind of like this horse to first barrel we used to like my friend jesse and i we'd always laugh and call it lady perks it to the first so if you guys don't know the mare lady perks that rayelle little now um, used to run that she made the CFR on and mm-hmm. was a great mare and uh, she used to have to kind of contain her to first she would kind of just keep her in her hand and she'd get around first and then could just let her go and you know so some horses you just kind of have to contain them a little bit like keep them in your hand a little bit and then you know and a lot of those horses once you get them around the first barrel it seems then they're better on the other two. Like it's just some horses for some reason just don't want to walk onto their first barrel. Yeah. But you know, so. Okay. So obviously barrel racers need to have a strong mental game. Uh, what do you focus on to keep your mental game strong? Um, so I don't, <laughs> you know, I, back to my dad, he was, um, he was just a competitor. He was, yeah. He was a winner. He could win. So I'll tell you a quick little story about how. <laughs> so he he was married twice. His first marriage, he had he got a divorce, and he was at this point he was working, so he hadn't been rodeoing. He hadn't, I think, rode. He said in like a year and a half. Horse, nothing. Horses turned out. He needed to pay for his divorce. So what does he do? He enters two rodeos. He pulls his horse out of the pasture that like hasn't been rode in like a year and a half. He hasn't swung a rope in a year and a half. And he won both rodeos. Oh so my gosh. He, oh boy. It, you know, hilarious. he's a competitor. He was a competitor and he was a winner. And, you know, he needs to pay for his divorce. And so how was he going to do it? He entered some rodeos. So um, That is the most cowboy thing to do. <laughs> I know. And I mean, this is back, this is back in the 60s. Like, okay, so. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, so I, I just, I grew up with someone who just had a tough, mental game and mm-hmm. you know growing up working with him there was never any like, negativity there was if he missed and didn't do well it was it wasn't talked about like it was just you you don't dwell on it you don't dwell on the negative yeah. you you know you, he just really instilled in me that you just focus on yourself and your horse and you know during the week if you've prepared yourself you've you've had you've practiced you're ready to go 
it, whatever happens on the weekend, it's kind of, it's out of your control. Like, you know, the extending in circumstances, that's out of your control. You just go there, you do what you practice. And, you know, so the big thing with him was just not dwelling on the negative or the bad that maybe happened. Like, we all go through those times where, you know, you're not winning and something's going wrong or whatever. You just need to figure out what it is and work on it and then go back. You know, so I just, you know, I guess I just grew up with somebody who kind of taught me from very beginning competing that you just, you do your best and you don't dwell on the negative. You, you know, don't surround yourself with people that are, you know, the negative Nellies and the Mm -hmm. downers and all that kind of thing. You are what you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. So um, that was pretty much where I got a lot of my my mental toughness so I I don't know rodeoing for me like competing I'm better competing at a rodeo where there's the pressure and the money that than I am jackpotting really yeah Mm yeah yeah I'm I'm honestly I'm better under competition like than I am at a jackpot Hmm. at a jackpot it's kind of sometimes I just kind of you know, I'll watch my video and I'll be like, well, oh, I rode like a sack of crap. Or, you know, like, oh, like it's relatable. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I've always been better under competition. Like, I just, I definitely coming from my dad, like, you mm-hmm. know, so, mm-hmm. but yeah, and then, you know, coming back and getting back into it and then being around D and, and Brooke and it's, and they're the same way, right? Like okay. they're yeah. tough competitors and, you know, he's been doing this for like 60 years. So it's, you know, you don't get yeah, to be she... doing it for 60 years without having some mental toughness. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, it's really important. Like, you know, a, a lot of girls, I think it's, they, you know, they get to a competition and they kind of let a lot of the outside stuff, like what other girls are doing and, stuff like that they they let it get to them and you really have to try and just block that out just yeah. focus mm-hmm. on what you've been doing at home what you've been practicing um you know how you've been riding and just kind of block all that out rodeoing i don't know what it is but sometimes the girls they ground is a huge thing they want it's like they i don't know they don't realize they're doing this but they're talking about the ground and how bad it is and blah 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 well you know you have to go like you got to go and find out for yourself so you get yourself in that arena you dig your feet around in there mm-hmm. and you see what you think it is like don't mm-hmm. don't let other people tell you that you know it's it's bad or whatever mm-hmm. like and honestly their horse might not handle ground because they don't have them balanced or they they're pulling on them or who knows there's many reasons why their horse might not run on it but that doesn't mean your horse can't run on it yeah so yeah that's a big thing like ground is a big thing with girls just block that out like Mm -hmm. you you make up your own mind about that don't let other people you know influence you that way like make up your own decision about it kind of Mm -hmm. thing so Mm -hmm. um that's that's a big thing too i think with with barrel racing um because yeah you get to the rodeo and you know if they're all talking about how bad the ground was and this and that well I mean, if you let that get get in you, then yeah. you're beat. Yeah. You're beat already. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's a big one. Just trying to keep your focus, not letting, you know, the outside stuff kind of affect you. Mm-hmm. So, 
Those are definitely Those some are great mental really toughness good. tips. Yeah. Those are really good tips. So maybe let's get into now some of the prospects that you currently have on the go. Okay. What are you riding now? Yeah. I like talking about my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so right now I have, um, so I just sold, I have a Sirocco uh, gelding that um, I just sold actually to Texas. So he sold a couple weeks ago, but he won't get a ride for till the end of the month kind of thing. So he's still here, but um, he's a five-year-old and he just went to a lady in Stephenville. So I won't have him much longer, yeah. but. He was, yeah, he was a really sweet boy. He and he was fun, and but he was ready to go to go to his next home. So he's he's going. Um, then I have um, he's seven now. This year, a seven-year-old Jika Fling out of uh, Dakalina bred mare. Oh, fun! And uh, I bought him from a friend of mine down here by Sundry, and she bought him as a weanling, and she had you know the hope to security him and do all these things and. But she has two twin boys, and so you can imagine what her life is because they're in, like, every sport imaginable. And so he just, you know, he never got to security, and she, you know, he actually even wasn't even that far along in the pattern. Like, she's had him, like, kind of loping around there or whatever, but um, they actually did more roping on him than anything. So her and her husband, they rope, and so they kind of just got him going roping a little bit. So he's actually farther along roping than he is barrels right now. I worked on him this winter a little bit and if we ever get some dry weather I can get back to working <laughs> him on the pattern. But um mm. so I got him and then I have um a five year old um out of a Patty's Irish whiskey mare and a highbrow cat stud. And oh, I'm really I'm really <laughs> loving him. I, I'm really loving him. He is like I, I don't know how fast he's gonna be. Um but he he just he kind of has that feel like rowdy in the turns a little bit, so it's, oh, that's cool. that's kind of what gets me excited because I'm so much about feel, you know. And um, yeah, my dad always told me the money is won and lost in the turns, so that's part of the reason why I like a cowbred horse is I just feel they can be so quick and catty and efficient in their turns, and, and get out. you know, like rowdy wasn't the fastest horse. If I was to flat race him with the horses we ran against he uh, he'd be in the middle of the pack probably like he was he's not the fastest horse he made all his time in his turn there was no wasted time or steps in his turn and that's where he made his time so um i so that's why i really just i love a horse that wants to have that quick caddy feel in their turns like um but of course, I mean, I don't, you know, we're still just kind of high low, but I'm ready to go to some jackpots on them, but, um, just need to get some dry weather so I can work them a little bit. So, um, but yeah, so I've got him and then I have, um, two four-year-olds that I bought from Colin Ballon. And okay. the one is, um, he's all cow. He's, um, by Fletch and out of a Bob Baker dock mare. And the other one is out of a Fletch daughter and his, um, it's a, the grace that he had that he actually just captured it last year and sold him, but it's the Royal Quick Frenchman stud, and um, I'm really loving that one. He's a gray gelding, and he he's super nice. I really like him. I've had two ropers trying to buy him from me <laughs> <laughs> already. Yeah, we um, down in Arizona, Casper Roy stays with us, and he like we put him on all our horses, and he rides him around a little bit too, just to you know get him 
exposed to some roping and the dummy and stuff like that. And uh, he really liked him and he was trying to wheel and deal him out of me. And then uh, <laughs> when we got home, we uh, thought, well, let's, the, we have two of these grays that we bought from Colin. My boyfriend bought one and I bought one. And uh, we got home and we thought, well, you know, let's see, maybe if someone's going to some branding or like just get the life experience stuff for them. And Chad Thompson is our neighbor. And uh, I called up Chad and I asked him if he could take them and just do some some actual real work with them, you know, go to some branding, sort pairs, ride them out and feel like whatever. Just mm-hmm. And so he took them for us and yeah, he was yep, trying to get them too. So he <laughs> saw <So> the ropers. <laughs> are liking him <laughs> yeah nice. versatility so, um, is always nice too yeah. especially with yeah. like, the breakaway coming in like if yeah. you have a brown horse that's the potential oh i know breakaway yeah too. that's the next hot ticket here the, the yeah. breakaway mm-hmm. but yeah i just i like a, i'm just a using horse i like a horse that can be used for different things like i just i don't want a horse that's you know just the barrel horse can only do that because it you know it can't go and you know sort cows or go yeah. check cows or whatever like i you know i want a horse you can do multiple things on like yeah. that that makes it a nicer horse i think too so and i i think having your horses roped on is is important it's, it's handy yep yeah, it, mm-hmm. it really i believe helps barrel horses on the pattern if you rope on them too it makes almost so, the barrel pattern a lot easier <laughs> because yeah. like when I well, have my mare at the branding pen, she's just like, there's so much stuff going on. There's like calves under her legs and everything when we're sorting. And it's like, she almost quieted down a whole heck of a lot. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and roping it, you know, it's chasing a, a steer. So it's, you know, it teaches them a little bit to be cowy. They have mm-hmm. to rate, you know, they have to run and rate. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it helps the horse a bunch. Like I like all my horses roped on. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So what do you guys do with all your prospects? Are you planning on doing any of the like jackpots or rodeos with them? Or do you kind of raise them and train them to sell them? Um, well, I, when I was rodeoing, I would, I would try and rodeo on some of them. So some of the rodeos that I didn't want to run rowdy at, I would, you know, take a colt and, and run it or whatever. But um, the last, two years I have rodeo just because I'm down here now in Sundry and it's just you know we're just not rodeoing and I don't really have a horse to go on right now I don't like to go unless I've got something I know I stand a shot at like you got to go through the seasoning part of it but you know I just don't have anything right now and Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm kind of just enjoying not rodeoing right now I guess I don't know I'm just happy being at home riding my babies and just you know having fun yeah yeah just training Mm -hmm. and and I kind of try and have one to sell a year so, okay. um, yeah, my, my Ciroc was already gone for this year. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. I just, I, I like to just play around right now. Just, I'm just having fun being home and, you know. It's a nice change of pace. Yeah. 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 I, like I, you know, <laughs> there'll probably be a day where I, I, I want to go back, but it's, it's when I'll have the horse too. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, right now I'm just happy being able to maybe go to some jackpots here once my arena drive so I can get my horses back in there and yeah just nice. play around yeah so so you said you like to start off a lot of your colts in snaffle bits but can you take us through the pro- progression of bits throughout the horse's lifetime on the barrels yeah. are there any that you um, gravitate towards 
Yeah, there is. I so I'm I'm not your I guess typical burrows where they have a ton of bits. I I mean I you know I probably have maybe eight or ten of them. And but there's That's still a lot. <laughs> it's a few, but yeah. um, I gravitate towards. There's a few that I do. So I start everything in a sample. That's what I'll round pen them in. Um, and I maybe only keep them in a sample for maybe a couple weeks. Like I, I don't keep them in a sample very long. Mm-hmm. Um, from a snaffle, I like to move them up into, um, it's a Dave Elliott, Sue Smith fit. Um, I think the number is the 04, for up 04 or something. It's, it's like the, the C bit. It looks like a, like a C kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually move all my horses into that bit after a snaffle. Um, with the three-piece, uh, twist the wire with the roller, mouthpiece. That's my favorite mouthpiece. I've, I've got that on all my Elliott bits. I, I just, I love that mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll move them into the C bit. Um, and then after that, there's um, Millimac, Judy Millimac, who has a bit called the one-to-one bit. And it's literally the one part. So the purchase and the shank are the same length. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I really like that bit. I put all my horses eventually in that bit. That bit just, it gets them so soft and collected. And just that feel I like, because I don't like to be, having to hang on my horse's head, like asking for questions all the time. And I, I want them collected on a loose rein. And mm-hmm. that bit, really, you get that with that bit. And it's not a bit I run a horse in. I don't run them in it. It's, it would be you know, too much, I think, to run them in. But for dry work, it's, I, I really like that bit. Um, so I'll move them into that. And some horses, that's that'll be the bit that I kind of keep them in to do their dry work in. And I'll work them on the pattern in that bit. But for running, I, I'll put them into something else. So, um, so there's a couple bits I like to run my horses in. And they're these bits. Um, there's the one, uh, I think the number is the O2. Um, it's got a like a little bit of a shank and then a gag at the top. Um, that was the bit I ran rowdy in. And I, I like a bit with a little bit of gag for running just because I, I like little yellow lights just because, you know, when you're running, I don't, you know, when you go to ask them, I just don't want it instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that can sometimes can panic a horse and you might get that braciness as I'm lifting up, you know? So I want to just have a, a, a little bit of gag, just that little bit of yellow light in my bits that I run my horses in. Um, so there's that bit that I use quite a bit. Then her other one is, the oat shank, um, medium shank. Um, and it's again, got a little bit of gag. It's got a little bit of purchase on it and a little bit of a longer shank. Um, that bit, I, I really like that kind of, that's the one I've been riding a lot of my horses in lately. Um, and then there's one, it's kind of hurt. I think it's the 11. I don't know. I should wrote these numbers down. Um, <laughs> but I think it's the, the 11. And it's kind of, it's the one that looks almost like a junior cow horse, but it has a little bit of a higher purchase and a, a much longer shank than a junior mm-hmm. cow horse would have. And then just has like the round um, where the bit is attached. Um, okay. So I think I um, that, that yeah, I, I think I actually seen a picture with, and you had that bit. Yeah. It. Yeah. It, it's one of her bits that she's kind of designed lately. Like it's, it hasn't been one that's been around for years and years. It's one of her kind of newer designs, and um, and I have that one, and I and I like that one too. Um, so that's basically kind of like my five bits or whatever that 
I kind of put in everything. I, mm-hmm. And honestly, everything I've ran has gone in one of those bits and it's okay. worked. So, but you know, there'll probably be a day where I need something different. Like, I don't know, something different, but yeah. um, that's, you know, for now what I have, I actually have a couple bits here. I'm going to try. So I went to Randa's the other day and I went with a friend of mine. She was looking at a horse there and I got looking in Randa's tack room there and, so I borrowed a few bits from her and she sent me, uh, there was one that I wanted to try, one of the Elliot's that um, she had, I was kind of been wanting to try. And uh, then she sent me home with two other ones that have mullen mouthpiece in them. So I'm kind of interested to try them. I've, you know, never really tried a mullen mouthpiece in my horses. So mm-hmm. the ones she gave me have a little port and then okay. they have a little cricket or roller. Oh yeah. Hmm. That's so, what yeah. mine's like right now. It's a little bit of a little port with a little roller on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of. She she said I needed to try these bits, so I'm I'm excited to try them here once they get some decent weather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like mine. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious. I'm I I'm excited to try them and just to see how they feel. So I I kind of think I will like them just because I I kind of like my horses to be a little straighter. Like I I I don't like a whole bunch of bends in my horses, mm-hmm. so. I'd rather have them a little straighter between my hands, but, mm-hmm. but yet soft. Like I, I want them soft in the body, but I prefer my horses a little straighter. So um, I feel they can handle ground a little better when they're just a little straighter up underneath mm-hmm. themselves. So um, yeah, so I'm excited to try those bits, just to kind of see how they feel. So, yeah. So yeah. how do you, when you're first introducing a young horse to a new bit up from a snaffle, how do you go about that? I'll, I do them in the round pen. Okay. Again, like I'll, yeah, I'll put that new bit on, I'll stand on the ground beside them and I'll bring their head around and just slowly get them kind of used to it. And then, and then I'll bit them up in the round pen and I, I won't bit them up real tight the yeah. first time. I'll just kind of have it a little bit loose and just build on it. Day one okay. will be just kind of have it a little bit so, you know, they can't toss their head up in the air, but they hit it a little bit. And then next day go in and just shorten her up a bit and I, I I'll round pen them. I'll round mm-hmm. pen them with a new bit and then, yeah, a couple days mm-hmm. of that and then, you know, good to go. Mm-hmm. So would you so. typically say like you, you like to run in a like a gag bit with a bit of yellow light? So in your dry work during the week, do you tend to stick to those ones that don't have the yellow light for that stuff? Um, it kind of, it depends on the horse, but I like that one-to-one Milamaki bit is, is one that I really like to work my horses in during the week, during the week. like okay. it's it's like it, between work like running them on the pattern or um and I'll, I'll work them in that bit too but it, I just like that bit for just that softness I get it just it really collects them up you they're in your hand um probably you gonna get, have to you know, buy this bit now <laughs> I, I I really I really do, I I really do like that bit like um but yeah, and I, like I said, then I won't. I don't run them in it just because it's it's too much fit to run a horse in. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, but if you have your horse super soft and supple in your dry work, you don't need all that fit to run them in. Mm-hmm. Like they they can go to running, and you don't need all that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Perfect. Oh, and then I do have one of the um, D has a a pole gag bit too. Like you know the one that'll run up or over the pole. Um, I have, yeah, I have one of those and, and I will sometimes put that on a couple of my horses just, you know, just to kind of work in a little bit, but not, I, I wouldn't say I use that 
it a whole lot. But um, I do have one of those, but so just depends on the horse. Every horse is different, right? So you just kind of play around with them and got to have an see. arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got to have. I have a little bit of an arsenal. Not a not not as big as some girls I see. Like holy cow, <laughs> they have a ton of bits. It's just like, like wow. twenty thousand dollars worth of bits in their trailer. <laughs> oh, pretty I, much. Seriously, I know. Yeah, need insurance on that. <laughs> um, yeah. I just I just paid for a bit today from Dave Elliott. It's oh like... no. <laughs> expensive one. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I also try to bargain myself there for one of my my boyfriend's Christmas present. I sent him to uh, Dominic uh, Laverne Spurs and Bits and so, he went on a, he like got him like a, a, he made a spade bit actually, which is like a very hard bit to make. Like that's like a craftsman bit. So now he, oh. he makes Yeah, for me. so that wasn't a present for him. That was no, for No, it was a present yourself. for me. I do that all the time. Like, I got him the leather work stuff and the bit stuff and now I don't have to buy mine. They seem to work, so. <laughs> I, I like to save my pennies. <laughs> Where <are> you <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let's get into your feed and maintenance program. So we oh. do know that you spend a little bit of time down in Arizona. So could you yeah. maybe tell us about your feed program up here and then maybe verse when you go down to Arizona? Okay. Um, yeah. So my, my feed program is pretty basic. I... I don't feed a, a lot of different stuff and supplements. And um, I don't know, I guess I, I'm the less is more mm-hmm. type person. I'm, I'm a bit of a minimalist. So um, I always just base it on the horse. But if, if I have a horse that can get away with just having hay, I will let them just have hay. Like if, if they're an easy keeper and they look shiny and happy, I will just give them hay. Um, I don't like, processed feeds, pelleted mm-hmm. feeds, really. I, yeah. I try to avoid them if I can. Um, I like to feed whole oats, um, beet pulp, if I have one that's, you know, a little bit of a harder keeper or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just recently, my friend Shelby, she got me on to the peas and flax Yes, thing. I love peas yeah. and flax. Yeah, and you know, like my dad used to feed flax like years ago, but the peas, I've never fed peas to my horses, but you know what, it's natural and so I thought mm-hmm. you know what I'm gonna try it and it actually like I'm feeding it to one horse here and basically almost kind of in a month I'm noticing a little bit of a difference on them and usually like in horses like they don't gain like cattle like horses if they're looking like a little bit senior or whatever it takes a while to get weight yeah, on a yeah. horse like and he's only been on it for like a month and I'm starting to see a little difference already so I don't know there might be kind of something to this piece yeah. Thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'll try, you know, I'll try something if it's, if it's a natural thing that, you know, I, I like I say, I just, I try to avoid the process stuff if I can. I just try and keep it as natural as possible. Um, in Arizona, um, I feed beet pulse and then my boyfriend, he has, he gets safe choice for his horses and I'll just give mine just a little bit of a sprinkle on top. Like it's, it's hard to get oats down there like it's not yeah. readily readily available at the mm-hmm. feed stores so um mm-hmm. i and, and really they don't need it down there like 
the hay down there is like so crap. Good. I it's, could yeah. not believe how green their poops were. Like, oh yeah, it is like. And when I first like went down and I first did the walk around the ranch there, I had my sunglasses on and I looked at the hay and I was like, "Hey, like my sunglasses may, must be making this look a lot greener than what it is." I took nope. my sunglasses on. And I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like that's actually like lot like so bright. Oh. Like it's beautiful. It's fluorescent. Yeah, it's fluorescent." Oh, I yeah. don't think I've yeah. ever had green, green. Hay. It's like green. Like so now we have to oh, go yeah. down there just to look at the hay. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and it is super high protein. It's rich. It's like mm-hmm. it's like crack for a lot of horses. Like people like don't really realize like they get down there and their horse at home might be this, you know, quiet, plot along horse, like easy going. And then you get them down there and you get them on some of that alfalfa hay and they are a whole other animal. <laughs> I was telling the girls that I was like, I went to a jackpot and I was like, every horse here is like ready to rip. I was like, there must be something in the yeah. water. Or there must be something in the feed because they oh, are yeah. all a little, little wild. That's for sure. And yeah, that lime green poop. <laughs> yeah. With lime green poop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's it's right, right, green. But yeah, yeah. we down there, there's, they have um, a grass hay or an alfalfa grass mixed hay that some some of the guys down there sell and that's what we've been buying the last two years so we like the straight alfalfa we don't really like it, like I say it makes horses pretty high like <laughs> so I don't I don't like to feed the straight stuff I yeah. I give them a, a mix okay. um yeah. and then the ones I say that might need a little extra I'll give them beet pulp because beet pulp won't make them hot like it it'll just help put weight on them but doesn't make them hot so that's basically what they'll get in arizona for feed program um and like supplements um i so i would rather inject my supplement my joint supplement than feed it i i have okay so i have had some success with rowdy on recovery eq Mm -hmm. um he had really bad front feet they were uh, like thin soles flat, underslung, you know, like he, he did not have very good feet. And after every barrier work, he was always just, he'd just be a little bit sore. And, you know, I started putting him on recovery and I did know, I physically felt a difference in him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's not going to work for every horse, but it, it did work for him and I did physically feel a difference in him. So there is something in, in that supplement that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anti-inflammatory or something that was working for him um but other than that like my joint supplements like i i prefer to inject it i will i will give legends or i will give adequan or i will give 10 10 um just depending on the horse and and how old they are but i just feel you know they're getting it and Mm -hmm. these drugs are you know they're proven to work yeah that's true that's a good point i I, you know a lot of the stuff that you feed them it by the time they eat it it's like or is it really getting carried to where it's supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. or are they just shitting it out? Like, yeah. it's, so I, I just prefer to inject my supplement. Mm-hmm. And it's more say. tedious to feed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way more labor intensive. Well, and, it every day. Yeah. And then, and you know, and I have some horses here, like they, they, you know, they've got it all over the place. Like they're, 
slobbering around their pail and it's on oh, the ground. It's my pet peeve oh, when my horse yeah. flicks her feet out of the... I'm like, I just have to yeah. walk away. I literally... I, you're yeah. just throwing money on the ground. Seriously, <laughs> I literally watched Baddie sta- stomp on her pail yesterday. I was like watching her. I was like, are you kidding me? Like she was stomping on yeah. it. I was like, you're such a little turd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, that, and, and then all the horses are like that. They, you know, they whether you're feeding them in the bucket on the fence or on the ground or whatever they just it's all over the place and then you're looking at the ground and all their feet is on the ground it's like okay so that supplement i mixed in there like um how much did you yeah 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 so that's that's kind of where i feel about the whole feeding them supplement thing i i i I feel i'm wasting money doing that i'd rather and then you're just giving them it when they need it exactly yeah 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 Yeah, well and you know they're getting it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know it's getting into them. One so, cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of basically my feed program. It's it's not too extensive. It's good good choice. I like a mix hay. Like I like an alfalfa grass mix. Um, I feed whole oats to the ones that need it. Like if they mm-hmm. need a little something. Um, and beet pulp is another one I go to. And then this cheese and flax thing. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm into that now. I think it's yeah. not bad. Yeah, yeah I we, have a, we have a friend that's a distributor for ZS, so we're all on the peas and flax train too. Yeah, currently. Yeah, yeah, and super economical. Like it is a good price. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you only yeah. have to feed it like you know it depends on how hard of a keeper your horse is. But if you're only feeding yeah. a cup and a half a day or whatever, it, it lasts you a long time. Yeah, right? and the flax like is this. like even less. Like it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this horse here, I've been I'm just giving him a cup each. Like I give him a cup of flax, a cup of peas, yeah. all good. Like that's what I've been giving him, and yeah, You're noticing he, something. So that's I yeah, and yeah. and like I say, only after like about a month of being on it, which is that's something because like horses, they they don't gain like cattle. No. <laughs> they they take a little longer to put weight on. Yeah. So yeah. So no, I'm I'm yeah I'm on the cheese and flax train here now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you for sharing your feed program with us. And so we're going to get into our final section of this interview and it's our rapid fire section. So this is just a quick little answer for all these little questions that we have. So everyone knows horses aren't cheap. Hence the name horse Poor podcast. What do you do for work to be able to pay for the horse game? Okay. So I, I'm very fortunate that, um, my dad had a farm and of course it was left to my brother and I, and my brother wanted to get out of farming. So now it's just me. I bought out his part. Um, so I do have income coming from that farm. So nice. it's, it's a grain farm and mm-hmm. also pasture on it with the guy put yearlings in there. Okay. Um, and I used to board horses there and I also worked out too. So when I, um, lived in Edmonton. I worked for CBS Controls and um, they were awesome to work with. I My schedule was perfect. I worked Monday to Thursday, done by two o'clock and so I could rodeo. Awesome. Like Lyle, Lyle is awesome. He, like I've known him my whole life and you know, when I kind of, like I went through my divorce and because when I took that, you know, 10, 12 years off, I was married and then I ended up divorcing him and um, I was needing a job. So he just, offered me a job at CVS and gave me totally awesome hours. <laughs> and uh, I was there for quite a while. I was probably there for six years or something like that. Oh, yeah. And then um, then when I got with my boyfriend, 
he couldn't move because he has a company down here in Sundry. So I ended up coming down here and now I'm working for his company, but it's just, I can work from home. It's doing invoicing and billing. Perfect. So it, I just need my computer and Wi-Fi and I can work. Nice. So, nice. um, yeah. Flexibility so it's is great so for do, the horse world. Yep. Oh, for sure. It's totally flexible. Like I can, I can do my invoicing whenever, like, you know, at night or whatever. Mm. So, um, yeah, so I, I work for him and uh, and then I do I have the income that I get from my place in Edmonton too. So that helps support my habits. Nice. <laughs> cool. So do you guys so, do, do you guys still farm it at all or do you like rent it out to another farmer? No well I so my neighbor who used to farm it for my dad, um, he still does it for me. So I just custom nice. pay him oh, to perfect. Do it. Yeah. Oh sweet. So the crop is it's it's all mine. Like I I pay for him to put it in. I pay for him to harvest it, um, and I get I get all the money from it. So yeah, I don't rent it out to him. I I still have it in control. I just custom. He just custom does it for me. Yeah, so, that's handy. Yeah. Perfect. So um, yeah. So then that's how I afford all my ponies. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Would you say you have a secret weapon, something that you're a firm believer in in your training uh, that helps you make competitive runs? Um, so, I don't know. For me, a secret weapon, I think, is just having a horse, you know, with sound and feeling good. Um, if I know my horse is feeling good and sound, it is super easy for me to compete on them. And mm-hmm. one of the things, so my program on a competitive horse that I'm running isn't the cheapest. Because I inject legends into them, two CCs, IV, 24 hours before every run. Um, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it, it's not a deep program, but I believe oh. it works. So huh. legend peaks at 24 hours in a horse's system. Oh. And it's at 24 hours, they get that boost. They get that. They are feeling like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. So I always, I time it. Like Rowdy would get, you would get two CCs of legends 24 hours before every run. Um, so I always just try to have my horses feeling as best as they can. So I would do that with him. Um, he would get clenbuterol every day. I would give him three cc's of clenbuterol. Um, and I just, I think just having them feeling good, fresh, mm-hmm. you know, that is kind of where I think my secret, secret reference came in cool. a little bit. Like just having your horse feeling super good, my, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, having some vet neighbors and a and a veterinarian mom <laughs> yeah, probably, probably gave yeah. little in, ins on all those things too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a few, few little, yeah, few little tricks of the trade, you know, you, yeah. you learn. So, yeah, um, nice. but yeah, so that I, I, I guess I would say that's kind of my and having your horse super like soft and supple too, like just having it before run any horse. I before I run him, I will pull that head. I'll pull their head around that drill I told you about. I do that with all my horses before a run. I want them listening to me, like super responsive, like just ready to go. And, you know, because in a run, if you, you know, let's face it, we might screw up and we might need to handle our horse and and fix something like, and if at all they're wanting to brace on you in a run, it's it's killing you. Mm -hmm. It kills the clock. Like it's Mm -hmm. a clock ticking while they're resistant. So, um, that's another thing I, I, I do before I run with all my horses. Perfect. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So we have one last very important rapid fire question. Can we come visit for a few weeks yeah. next winter down in Arizona? <laughs> Maybe yes, bring a horse yes, or two? <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. I even have a spare bedroom in our house. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. We're, here. We're moving in. <laughs> oh, boy. We had to throw that one in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No take backs. Oh, of course. No. Arizona, I, I love Arizona. It, Me too. It is so nice. Yeah. yeah it sounds like a cool place like, to be in the winter. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, you guys think how it's so, like, so different from like before I went to Arizona, my horses got kicked out all winter. Like I said, after CBHI, they got kicked out and they were out till like, you know, March or something like mm-hmm. kind of when it was, you know, thinking about starting to warm up or I'd start hauling or whatever. And now it's now it's kind of the opposite. You go to Arizona and you have to like, remember to give them days off. Like you can ride like every day and you need to remember to give them days off. And, you know, and then we get home, like, you know, we got home mid-April kind of thing, and we always like to give them some time off. So, like, I just started riding back a couple weeks ago, and then now I'm fighting rain. But, um, mm-hmm. so basically, you know, we got home, and then they got some time off when everyone else is, like, trying to get their horse. I'm on, like, I'm on a different schedule, kind of it's a little bit different. But, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, Arizona's pretty cool. I, I love it. I have to agree with that. (laughs) So we like to end off all of our episodes with a funny or embarrassing story that would have happened down the rodeo trail, jackpot trail, or hell, Arizona as well. So um, can you share with us one of these stories? Well, I know Steph sent me this. She was asking whatever. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I can't think of any like embarrassing (laughs) stories. I mean, I know there's been some. And I mean, like there's, okay, I remember one, I don't know what rodeo this was. But, um, you know, you just kind of always think the rodeo starts at one o'clock. Well, you know, I get to the rodeo and no, it started. Like, I don't, I'm like, okay, so when it drops, I pull in, it's like one event away or something. I had to oh, like oh, no. rush. I was never so panicked in my life because I, I hate being rushed. Like, yeah, I am yeah. the person, I like to get there early, really? you know, to have my time, like. I, I do not like being rushed or feeling late. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I remember getting there and I was like, thank goodness. Rowdy is super easy. He, like, yeah. he's a horse. He just, you literally get, just throw, get him out of the saddle, throw the, throw the saddle on, warm him up a couple circles, and he's ready to go. Like, he was very low maintenance. But I remember feeling so freaking panicked. I was like, holy cow. So then after, I would always make sure to check the time. Like, you never yeah. know something might change or happen. But um, so, where can our listeners find out more about your training, clinics, lessons, or? Uh, so I have Facebook. So if they want to look me up on Facebook, they can. Um, if they don't, um, they can send me an email. Um, I can give you my email quickly. It's s blakely. So s b l a k e l y x o at gmail dot com. So they can reach me by email too if they don't. Do you uh, do you take horses in for training or do clinics currently? Uh, not right now. I, you know, 2016 and 17, I did. It was, I, I just wanted to keep myself busy. Mm-hmm. So I, I did take outside horses and, and I had done some clinics and stuff, but right now I've just, I'm just taking a step back. I am okay. just enjoying myself. I am riding my own horses and, you know, just taking it easy. But I do, I have a lot of girls, you know, asking me to come and ride and stuff. And, and I honestly do. I love doing one-on-one lessons or like, you know, two girls come together or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy that just because you can just focus 
Yeah. Just yeah. on them and what they need. Like, you know, like, so I'll probably, you know, I'll start back doing some things here, you know. So, <laughs> but no, the last, the last couple of years, I've just been just taking it easy, enjoying myself. Well, thank you very much, mm-hmm. Shannon, for coming on. And yes. it was fantastic talking yes, to you. Yes, and it was very thorough. I loved it. Yes. And you even made us Perfect. cry. Awesome. I, I'm so Twice. glad you guys asked me too. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. we, could talk, we could talk for longer, so we might just have to do it again someday. Yeah. I think yeah. so. <laughs> in person. Hey, I'd in Arizona. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we could do it in Arizona. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Sounds we'll bring we our gear. We have grand plans. We do. We I'm do. Excited. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so shannon can you please finish off this podcast for us get rich or ride trying (laughs) all right rider dies we hope you enjoyed that podcast just as much as we did Yes, and be sure to tell a friend and share a page because the more follows and subscriptions we get, the more we're able to bring you this high-caliber content. And as always, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horsepore Podcast. Also, if you have any ideas for collaborations, you can email us at horsepoorpod at outlook.com. Mm-hmm.